ushers as you come will continue to worship. And we are keeping in prayer. Just just a whole bunch of folks that are struggling with this. We we are we are actually when this is all done, we're just gonna rename this antibody assembly. How's that? We'll all have the antibodies. Gina's got them. Frank's got them. The Snyder's got them. We've got them. Hallelujah. <laughs> One way or another, we're going to get them. Praise his name. Praise his name. Father, we just thank you that we can continue to worship you through the giving of tithes and offerings. We count it an honor and a privilege and a blessing. It's not a laborsome thing. It's an act of worship before you. So we know you're going to take this offering. You're going to bless it, multiply it, continue to send it out to a world that needs you. We thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. Bless both gift and giver. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. As you give, we're going to show a quick video. Uh, that is for all the veterans that are out there still. And uh, just those of you, how many know Wayne? Oh, good. Wayne McGee. Good. A lot of you, a lot of you know Wayne. Those of you who do not know Wayne, uh, well, I think he's in his late 30s now, so it's 30-some years ago. when It was just when we had built uh, this church, back in that nursery right there, Ida McGee was a wonderful sister in the Lord that used to take in foster children, especially children with troubles and difficulties. And uh, he was one of them. And she, I remember the very Sundays she came to my wife and I, she says, could you come and pray with Wayne? So uh, she would bring him every Sunday. He had all sorts of wires coming out of his body, and tubes and things beeping and snorting and all that. He was not supposed to live very long. He was frail and small and weak. And um, we all gathered in that nursery and prayed over him and just kept praying. And hallelujah, there he is. Amen. <laughs> Father, I believe he has a couple of kids and uh, went on and picked up the trumpet and became a musician in the army and uh, played in several of the army bands and is a teacher and an instructor there. So it was just a, such a wonderful testimony to see him. He is just such, such a blessing and sweet guy. And I think he said that he will be visiting here. He's in Massachusetts right now, but at some point in the months ahead, he will be visiting here. <clears throat> so um, we are going to, I'm sure, have him play his trumpet and do all sorts of things. So amen. Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles, if you will. I think that's everything. And just remember, right after church, fellowship a bit, and then meet uh, meet uh, real quickly after church for a quick meeting. And uh, it's uh, also good to see Hannah. Uh, kids, you may be dismissed. Hannah, are you still doing the thing today? Yes. Hannah is a Broadway movie star with Howland Schools. <laughs> she is in a big play. And... Uh, Good to see her. Amen. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Matthew, the 11th chapter. I want to speak to you this morning. Uh, the title of the message is, When You Can't, You Can. When You Can't, You Can. And this is a trick title. Uh, this is not a self-help sermon. Uh, it sounds like it. But what the meaning really is, is as we as believers, when you can't do one particular thing, you can always do something else. And how many in your, in your spiritual walk have hit brick walls? <laughs> I won't ask if you're at the wall right now, 
but, uh, uh, oh, and I'm sorry, too, I just want to mention, it's good to see Brother and Sister Grandi. Pastor Grandi will be preaching next Sunday, so uh, I'll, I'll be here. I'll be doing some things around the church and enjoying the message, I'm sure, but uh, Pastor Grandi is going to share. I'd invited him many, many moons ago, and uh, we had many interruptions and things like that, but he'll be sharing next Sunday. Um, so uh, there are many times in our walks when we do hit that, that brick wall, and it is a difficult, difficult thing that when that happens. And just because you're blocked in one way, though, does not mean that the battle is over. It doesn't mean the game is, is lost. It doesn't mean there's no way out. Many times God's people have had their backs against the wall, and uh, God has opened the door. So I believe that sometimes when we are in situations where we are against a wall, where we don't seem to be able to move, that seems like some of those times are when the Lord is really trying to get our attention. He's really trying to say something to us to get our attention. And John uh, the Baptist was in one of those situations. Uh, he had all the answers, it seemed, until the point that he found himself in prison. And uh, then all of a sudden he had some questions. Uh, how many know that life is not a smooth process. We do not glide from one high victory to the next. And uh, boy, don't you hate it when things just turn out the way that you don't want them to. And that just seems to happen. John was accustomed to living large in the outdoors, wasn't he? he, he now he was in a tiny cell, most likely dark, dank, and smelly, and he was a prophet, and this was not a place for a prophet. He was the cousin of Jesus, so you would think maybe that would rank for something, but it didn't seem to. So he was blocked right now in his life and in his ministry. His future was unsure. He didn't know what direction to go. He was not used to this being the way that it was. And uh, so when you read, and I'll just read a couple of passages quickly. I won't read all of them, sort of to bring us up to Matthew 11. But it starts really in Mark, the first chapter, when uh, this voice of the one crying in the wilderness came out. And it was John. And he was saying, prepare the way of the Lord and, and make his path straight. And he was in the wilderness and he preached repentance and he preached the remission of sins. And there went out to him, the word says, all the land of Judea. And Jerusalem, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing our sins. And he was clothed with camel hair, you know, that, that old story, and a girdle of skin about his loins. And all he ate was wild honey and donuts. I'm um, sorry, locusts, locusts. <laughs> and, and he preached, saying, there's coming one after me that's mightier, etc., etc. And all the Pharisees and scribes and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of people, came out to be baptized by him in the Jordan. In John, the third chapter, he gives this incredible dissertation when he's confronted by the Pharisees and the scribes. And he gives this incredible dissertation of power and insight and wisdom. He talked about the bride and the bridegroom. He was prophesying incredibly, uh, speaking prophetically of who Jesus was and what he was going to do. It was a, an amazing thing. So there he was. But then all of a sudden we come to Matthew, the 11th chapter. So let's just start right there in that first verse. Now it came to pass when Jesus would finish commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and he said, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Oh boy, 
All, all of a sudden, this John that had all the answers, that was preaching so prophetically and was speaking so profoundly to thousands of people. Remember, he was at the river when the voice came down from heaven and God spoke and Jesus was there. But all of a sudden, now in prison, in the dark, he had to ask the question, wait a minute now, are, are, are you the coming one? He was so sure and now he was so confused. He was so strong, and now he was so weak. He understood his destiny so well, now he was in the dark. Anybody ever been there? It seemed like on Monday and Tuesday we had the answer, then all of a sudden Wednesday hit. It seems like we had it in January and February, and all of a sudden March hit. My goodness, we had all the answers when we graduated from college, didn't we? Then all of a sudden life hit. <laughs> What's that old saying? That... When I, was, when I was 12 or 13 or 14 and I thought my dad was so stupid, then I'd hit, uh, hit my 30s and suddenly realized he was so smart. How did he get smart so fast? <laughs> so something happened to our old brother John. God bless him. It happens to all of us. So here's my cans and can'ts. And uh, I had them, I'm going to have them put them up there so you could just see them. When you can't see, you can listen. When you can't know, you can believe. When you can't understand, you can trust. And when you can't do anything, you can wait. And that's our points for this morning taken from the life of John. First of all, when you can't see, you can still listen. Why, why did John lose his spiritual insight and his spiritual knowledge? Why, why did he lose that? Well, I'm going to give you four Ds. Four Ds that can rob us of our spiritual insight and knowledge and can bring blindness. Number one is dis encouragement discouragement the courage that you once had is now gone and believe me I'm in no way belittling John because uh, if I were in prison right now in a dark cell I'd be discouraged too but the courage is gone when you're standing by the Jordan River and there's a voice from heaven and thousands of people are following and the Messiah is being manifest right in front of you that can give you courage that can make you feel good but when you're alone in a cell, facing death, that can make you discouraged. And that can happen. Here we are in this company of believers, in this wonderful sanctuary, the warm flow of the Spirit, friends and loved ones all around you, worship and word to comfort you. We can have courage. But when you're alone at night, and, and how many know, it always comes at around 2 in the morning, doesn't it? Never comes at like 1 in the afternoon. It always happens when you're alone in bed at one in the morning. That's when it always happens. When the battle begins to rage, we can get discouraged. I remember uh, a while back I was watching the movie Gettysburg and uh, about one of the big Civil War battles. And, and, and they showed at the beginning of that battle the, uh, the uh, 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 Confederate Army. And they all cried out with that, those two words, for Virginia. And they rushed into the teeth of the cannons and their uniforms were all nice and their weapons were all loaded and their faces were all looked nice. But boy, by the end of that battle, they looked a lot different, didn't they? They were discouraged. And, and, and it can happen that way for all of us. So discouragement in life can do it. How about disillusionment? Disillusionment. I believe that part of our problem lies in the word, root word of that word disillusion, and that is illusion illusion. Did John have the same illusion that many others had? He was thinking Jesus is going to free us from Rome. He's going to destroy the Caesars. He's going to set us up on a kingdom. 
Jerusalem is now going to be the headquarters again, just like King David. He's going to free us all. And then all of a sudden he found himself in a totally wrong situation. And it was disillusionment. Do we have illusions in our lives? I was talking with somebody a while back, a younger guy. And he said, you know what? I believe I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 50. I, I thought, well, hallelujah, I hope you're right. And if you are, make sure that I give you a tithe envelope. Give you a pledge card for my ministry. That's great. Well, that can either be a God-given goal or it could be an illusion. And if all of a sudden 52 rolls around and he's not a millionaire, he can be disillusioned. And I hate it when God doesn't do it my way. I don't, I mean, doesn't he know by now that we all have a better way? Hasn't he learned that by now? He's seen a trillion of us, a gazillion of us. We all have a better way, but he doesn't seem to. And sometimes when our better way doesn't work out, we become disillusioned. There are other times that we can become the third one, disappointed. Disappointment can ravish our lives. You're waiting for a particular event to occur and appointment for an appointment to happen and when that appointment doesn't happen then guess what you become disappointed that's what disappointment means the experience that you thought was going to occur did not occur so that causes disappointment in what you expected so we can have discouragement we can have disillusionment we can have disappointment and the third one that i believe assailed john was depression Depression. Depression, I believe, uh, the greatest example, uh, definition I've heard of depression over the years is simply anger turned inwards. Anger turned inwards. Something happens in your life that you can't change, so you become angry, and then you bury it. You put it down as far as you can, and then you get depressed. Notice the word itself, right? Depressed. Depressed. You push it down. Instead of giving it to the Lord and letting it go, we push it down inside. Boy, everybody's quiet this morning, I know. <laughs> it's, it's something we're all dealing with, right? We all deal with it all the time. So that, that depression, we press it down. And, and, and the interesting thing is, when we get in this situation, uh, I believe many times, the Lord does not rebuke us. And I'm so glad. He's patient, he waits, and he watches for what? I believe he waits for that moment of sincerity, like in John's life, that moment when we get to the place and we say, okay, I don't get it, so I'm going to ask now, and I'm going to listen to what the Lord is going to say. God will always hear a sincere cry, will he not? Always hear a sincere cry. He'll, he'll hear that cry even if it's filled with anger. Look at the psalmist David. How many times? He just railed against the Lord, asked questions of the Lord. And you know what? God is a pretty big guy, and he can take it. And when we're he starts to give the answer. So John asked. John asked. And the wonderful thing is that Jesus answered. And I love his answer in verse 4 of that 11th chapter. And Jesus said to, to them, go tell in John the, the things which you see and hear. The blind see, the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. That is, blessed is he who wants to get in line with what I'm doing and not what they think I should be doing. 
Blessed is he who is not offended. Look what God is doing. John, not being able to see, could still listen to the answer. And I believe that's one of the most challenging things in our faith walk, isn't it? We've got to come to the place where we learn how to listen to what Jesus is saying, even if we can't see what's going on. Listen for that still, small voice inside. Isaiah, the 35 chapter, when we're blinded by fear, the Lord comes and says, strengthen the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong and fear not. For behold, your God will come with vengeance, even with recompense. He will come and he will save you. Psalm, the 46th chapter, be still, shut up. That was, a, that was a modern translation. Be still and know that I am God. Hallelujah. When we're blinded by guilt, I love John, this saint. This other John, that the wonderful things he wrote, my little children, I write these things to you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate for the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. When we're in a situation when we can't see where the direction is, we can stop, be still, and listen. And listen. So the second one is, in his situation, when you can't know you can still believe. When you can't know, you can still believe. John, all right, I'm in this prison. This is not what I thought was going to happen, John is saying. I, I, I'm confused now, Lord. I'm confused. Uh, this is not what I thought was going to happen. So I know what's happening. So therefore, since I can't understand it, I can walk by faith and I can trust in him. I can believe. I can believe. I've heard it said before, and, and it is so true, that faith, true faith, is not walking on the water. True faith is walking in the water. True faith starts to kick in when the water gets up to your ankles, then your knees, then your hips, then your chest, and you still keep walking, and eventually you're gurgling, but you're still walking. That's true faith. That's true faith. How often we need to believe in what we hear him say about us in the word. Not what we think or feel or understand or know, but hear in the word. Oh, I love, I just went through, through quickly Matthew, uh, Mark, and part of John. Just the wonderful events that Jesus did and how we can see these things and wrap our faith around. In Mark, the fifth chapter, Jesus calmed the seas. He stopped the wind. And when he got out of the boat, he came into town and Jairus came pleading with him for his daughter who was dying. So Jesus said, I'll come with you. And as he began to walk, this little woman with an issue of blood that spent all of her money on the doctors pressed through the crowd and touched his garment and Jesus stopped on the way to raise a young girl. He stopped and he said, wait a minute, somebody just touched me. And this woman with a, the word says, a fountain of blood, a fountain of blood. I don't even know what that means, but I know it means a lot. Jesus, the same one who calmed the seas, who stopped the wind, stopped in his own name and power this fountain of blood, healed her on the way to healing somebody else. That's all he knows how to do is heal and deliver and set free. That's all he knows how to do. 
And on the way, finally, you know the story, they came to the house and they said, don't worry, uh, Jairus, your daughter is dead. And, and, and what news that is. But Jesus, not paying attention to circumstances. <laughs> all we do every day is pay attention to circumstances. That's all we do is listen to the news and get depressed. That's all we do is watch this thing and watch that thing and take that thing and do this thing and do that thing. Jesus doesn't care about circumstances at all. And he said, this little girl is not dead. Don't be afraid. Only believe. When we can't know, we can still believe. And, and they stood there. <clears throat> you know the story. People outside were laughing. They were laughing. And they, they were saying, he is either nutty or he's all-powerful. He's either a fraud or he's God. And he took the little child by the hand and said, Talitha kume, which in that language means little girl, I say to you, arise. And the dead became alive because we can believe. A demon-possessed boy came in front of Jesus and he looked at the crowd and said, if you believe... All things are possible. Mark the 16th chapter. Belief leads to salvation. Non-belief leads. Listen, my friends. We can believe in Romans 8.28 that all things will work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We can believe that he loves us, Jeremiah 33, and is working out a future and a hope for us. We can believe in eternity. We can believe when Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for me, for you, that where I am, you you will be with me all, all the time. How many times did Jesus say, he that hath an ear, he that hath an ear, he that hath an ear. Let him not know and understand, but let him hear and believe. Hear and believe. That's all it is. Why? Because we need to listen more than we need to know. That was so good I like that so much, I'm going to say it again just for me. We need to listen more than we need to know. I can finish out my entire Christian walk till Jesus comes back or he takes me to be himself and not know anything. But I can't do it without believing. We need to listen more than we need to know. I love watching some of the shows on TV, instructional shows and things like that. Uh, it, it, for, for instance, if, if you're a golfer and you're having trouble, which is every golfer, and somebody says, here, I'm going to give you, we're going to give you a, an hour lesson for free with um, Jack Nicholas. I don't know, which probably be pretty amazing because he's dead, right? <laughs> Take that lesson. That'd be awesome. An hour lesson with, 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 uh, with, but you only have an hour, 60 minutes, that's it, but it's free. Now, when you got in his presence, would you start telling him all things about yourself? Would you start telling him what you think is wrong? No, you would swing the club and then you would step back and say, speak. You're not going to get in there and go, okay, oh, Jack, I think I'm doing this wrong and I think I'm doing that wrong. Well, part of the problem is you're golfing. But I think I'm doing this and that wrong. No, no, you would shut up and you would listen to what he says. I think you guys get the application. In his presence is fullness. And you could stop there. It says of joy. But you could stop there. In his presence is fullness 
I don't know about you, but I believe that's where we got to be in these last days. In his presence, listening to and hearing from his word the fullness that he has for our lives and letting him do it. So we can choose to believe even if we can't see what's happening or hear what's happening. Third one is when we can't understand, we can trust. When we can't understand, we can trust. There's a slight difference between belief and trust. Belief is active, but trust is passive. Well, Lord, I've done all I can do, and I'm going to trust. John was sitting in prison. He was probably asking the question, why doesn't Jesus do something? Why is, doesn't he free me? Why doesn't he destroy Rome? Why is this taking so long? Anybody ever asked that question? Why is this taking so long, Lord? A <laughs> uh, day with the Lord is as a thousand years, right? So just sit back and relax. At the beginning, he knew who Jesus was. Now he was questioning if he was the Messiah. He was puzzled and he was confused. So now is the portion of time in his life when he had to begin to trust. Trust and obey, because there's other way to be happy in Jesus than to Wow. You mean it's that simple? Oh, yeah, it's that simple. It's not that easy, but it's that simple. Trust and obey. Not know, understand, see, rationalize, get a grip on. Trust and obey. One last one. When we can't do anything, we can wait. When we can't do anything, we can wait. I love that word in the Psalms. Oh, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him, and he will give you your heart's desire. Wait patiently. Wait patiently. When I can't do anything, I can still wait. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, which we finished quite a while ago, but that whole armor passage, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities and powers and rulers of the dark world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand. And then he says it again, stand therefore. Four times he says stand in those several verses. Stand, stand, stand. Do you know that many times it takes more strength to stand than to fight? <clears throat> it takes more tenacity, more fortitude, more strength of spiritual character <clears throat> to face it down, to lean into it, to stand your ground. And just wait to see the salvation of the Lord. Oh, man. This, this, is not, this is not fun preaching this morning. This is what we call meat and potatoes preaching. It's standing and waiting. I love, I love those, those, if you're a fan of war movies uh, uh, like I am, I love whether it's the 1800s or whether it's World War II or Vietnam or whatever, and that battle line is there, and, and, the, and the sergeant or the lieutenant is standing behind the guys, and the onslaught's coming, and what's he say? They, they say, you hear it over time, steady men, steady men, wait, wait, steady men, wait, wait, don't fire yet, wait, wait till you see the whites of their eyes. <clears throat> Wait, steady. Oh, man, it's hard to be steady when the enemy's coming right at you. 
it's hard just to stand. We want to do something. We want to fight something, don't we? He says, stand. I believe the Lord says to us, and especially in these last days, steady, steady. Don't fire till I tell you. Hold it. Wait. Rest. Stand. Stand. Having done all, stand. As you and I progress through difficulties that boggle our minds, that confuse our spirits, we can either fight, grasp, claw, gripe, complain, murmur, and fuss. Did I get them all? Pretty good, I think. Or we can take this word and we could sit down in a quiet place and listen, believe, trust, and wait. You know what I noticed about these things? And, and, and here's, here's my final thought. You know what I noticed about these things? Only you can do these things. No one can do them for you. You know that? My wife can't help. My wife can't stand for me. She can help me through prayer, but she can't believe for me. She can't trust for me. She can't have faith in the word for me. She can, she can read the word to me and say, David, you, here's the word. This, I believe this is for you. And she could read the word to me. I still have to receive it and stand in it myself. And I believe, I believe, to be honest with you, I believe that's what's happening right now in the body of Christ. We, we have been taught for 50, 75 years, how many times do we have to have an Oral Roberts, a Catherine Coleman, somebody else teach us about divine healing before we finally get it that we have it? Oh, say amen. What do you think the Lord raised those people up for? I believe it's for these last days that we're living in that we come to understand that I can't run to an evangelist now to get healed. I can't run to the pastor now to get healed. I've got to take the healing myself. Myself. So when you can't do anything else, I know you can listen, you can believe, you can trust, and you can wait. And we're going to believe the Lord's going to raise up a body in these last days that's going to do that more and more. Father, we just thank you so much for our brother John the Baptist who, what a man. I, I can't wait to meet him in heaven. Can't wait to meet him. What a man to stand up against corrupt Rome, corrupt Israel, corrupt everybody and boldly proclaim in his crazy outfit with, with insect legs on his beard but to stand up and boldly proclaim who you were. But I thank you, Father, that we also see that other side of him that was discouraged, confused, bewildered, and had to wait for an answer from Jesus. Help us to learn that lesson, to wait for your answer to come to our hearts and minds and speak to us clearly. We thank you for doing that. And you're going to do it for us more and more in these last days as we listen to your voice speaking to us through all of the noise, all of the cacophony of sound, all of the craziness that's out there. We're going to hear your voice sweetly speaking to us and bringing the answer. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Stand together.
How many are glad that he still speaks to us? He hasn't stopped speaking. He hasn't stopped speaking. And if you say, I don't know, I don't hear it, just, just take this and start reading it. You'll start hearing. Believe me, you'll start hearing. Hallelujah. Take a few moments. Turn around and bless one another. And then just quickly uh, as that, about five minutes or so, we'll just have a quick meeting down front here. So we'll call you together. Bless you. Those of you who are uh, interested, you, you don't have to be a member for this meeting as well, but uh, if those who are interested, you can begin to gather somewhere in the sanctuary. When I see everybody sort of seated, we'll, we'll go from there.
for those of you who have been keeping track with life, um, right about now is when we were supposed to be having our annual business meeting and things like that. So uh, what has happened with that is a notion came up and we discussed it with the deacon board and they approved the idea, uh, but we um, had uh, decided to change our fiscal year from the end of September uh, to the end of December, make it a calendar fiscal year. Uh, we, as a tax, as a nonprofit organization, we don't really have the same stipulations that businesses have with year-end tax things in, in, in April and all that kind of stuff. So we had brought it up. Uh, the reasoning for it is, uh, and you could talk to Lisa if you want all of the details, uh, or Jeff, the accountant, but just makes it easier to coordinate